my spidey senses tingling. He's the host of a podcast that he's very well known for, but it's not this one. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 186, a special episode. Welcome to the show. Oh, gosh. What a show we have. Paperkeg.com. And we talk about books that we read in our free time. We have a lot of free time on our ellipticals late at night. Mm. And we talk about it on the show. And we do a book club. Special book club episode. BKV. Ex Machina. Book one, just book one. Everyone, calm down. Eleven issues. I mean, Everyone, just relax. Unclench those cheeks. Uh, the first host that I want to talk to right now, uh, immediately discounting our popularity right off the bat, <laughs> setting a great mood for this evening. He is a writer by choice, unpublished. Also, by not choice. by choice. He'll get there one day. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome back. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, what a wonderful show to be a part of, especially with uh, our incumbent fourth host uh, joining us this evening. Uh, just a wonderful time to be alive, and it just feels like anything is possible. Is it? Though? That's it. That's all I got. Is it? Is it? With the number so low, though, I mean, we could probably very much do whatever we want on this show. According to I mean, I, what I'm really it. hoping it. I'm really hoping we could swap out your wife for Karazam and really just get the numbers through the you roof. Know, this is classic Gen Z. I haven't even introduced the I fourth know, host man. yet. He's addressing her. He's addressing a co-host to <laughs> a podcast we've never talked about. Just he's on fourth point wall, right baby. Now. Fourth as, wall, as taking it down. Usual. One hammer swing at a time. Next host, uh, he's VP of merch. He's been called Silver Fox. He. Uh, He's a big Patrick Swayze fan. Welcome back, Dale I've underscore I've been waiting this long as all the only words that I know. Daryl Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to be back. You know, my throat is feeling a little better every every day. I'm, by tomorrow night, I may be able to imbibe a sweet, sweet nectar that gets me through. I mean, I, I, I would pretty... On... on Drinking beer, you could just picture me pile driving my kids into the couch. I mean, <laughs> as I'm putting them in timeout, it's it's like that, and it's been it's been a while since I've had a beer. So, they're gonna say since you pile driven a child. No, it hasn't been that long actually. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> uh, final host, really big show. Fourth host tonight. Second appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a sexy woman. 
sexy. Don't do that. Okay, do that. I'm sorry. I, she's my wife. Right. Let's just get this over wretched, with. Wretched, a wretch she's of here, a just wretched, like a hag of a woman sitting next to me. At Nimidity, Amanda, welcome back to the I show. I could never top Kazan's introduction, but I'm Spoilers. happy to be back. Another <laughs> reference to someone we've never talked about. It's fine. Uh, it's your second appearance. Welcome back, Amanda, my yes. wife. You know, we actually do another podcast, uh, another hit podcast called Tech Smoke together. We do. We do. It's a really runaway hit. I haven't shared the numbers with Jonesy, obviously, but you and I look at the obviously. numbers. It's huge. I hope we can bring some of that magic here. I will do what I can. How excited are you about? If you guys could just jump in and help this franchise, I mean, yeah. that's all we really need. Uh, spoilers uh, for the for the half hour before the show. I tried editing the audio from one of the episodes where Amanda repeatedly called you a dummy, but you just wouldn't <laughs> stop talking over her. And the audio sounded like Sorry. crap. So uh, I'm gonna have to. I'll work with. I'm, sure I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a Nimity sidebar, and we're gonna just do something up for next show. Yeah, show in show intern. If you can get us an audio <laughs> mashup of uh, at Nimity just saying dummy, 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 dummy. Whatever. If there's one thing you know the paper cake community in- enjoys, it's seeing me vilified mm-hmm. by my own wife. And who it's even better because now you've been reading comics backstory. Let's let's assume people are listening for the first time. Okay. And Ebus and you know they're ignoring Jonesy so far. I don't. <laughs> Ebus is it's Latin for uh, kill Jonesy. Okay. You you're new to comics. I am. But you're neck deep in it now. I'm like way mm, deep, man. like deeper than anyone has ever dove. Be deep. So fast. You're you're longer than be deep. <sighs> My God. Yeah. V deep. Where was the <laughs> <laughs> V deep? V deep. You're. It's everywhere. So, so your second appearance, Paper Keg. You actually have been listening to Paper Keg religiously mm. now. Wow. You hated me. You hated the show for the, for many years. But now you've been like going back to the archives because you've been reading the because books. Because I've been reading. Yeah. So once I started following along, I actually listened weekly. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then I go to the archives, which you probably regret. Um, cause you know, you say some things, you don't think your wife is going to listen and then yeah. she does. Jonesy, watch Jonesy, out for you that. could get in some trouble <laughs> if your wife started going <laughs> and reading comics. No, yeah. not me. I was an angel. Yeah. Angel. Just I am, I am dying to know though. So Jonesy, you have Mariah Carey oh, and Cecily Tynan. I mm, need to know me. who, uh, who Kate gets. Kate, oh, another fourth oh, wall, Jonesy's wife's name. My Jeez. lord, uh, it's over. Why don't you say where I work? Uh, <laughs> let's see. What a, I don't, I don't know oh, who her three are. I should know. Should I bet you I would, I know at least up. one. All right, go ahead. Can I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for yeah, her. Ahead, David Cassidy. I'm going to say uh, no, Carl David Urban. Cassidy. Dread himself. Oh, yeah, definitely Carl Urban. Mm-hmm. I know that. That's sure. one. I think let's I, see, what else? Uh... I want to also say Kermit the Frog. <laughs> no. Although, uh, who's the guy? Jim Henson. Jim Henson. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to come back to me on this okay. one. I was this, just is, this is sad. So back this to Amanda sad. has been going through the archives. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate? That was me uh, pointing <laughs> what, to you. That you... was like my, okay, elaborate more on that. I've been listening to the archives. I don't. What more is there to tell? I guess nothing. So no. now, why bother? Uh, let me say, um, 
every I skip around a lot deciding what to read. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of your early episodes, man, you guys were all over the place. How you, so? Uh, you've you've definitely streamlined. You've definitely improved. Well, we can thank Jonesy That's for that. Good. He's yeah. really taken the show by the reins. Yeah, great job, Jonesy. Uh, yeah, okay. I probably showed zero progress <laughs> since episode. You know what it was though. After I, I just want to uh, real quick, Jonesy. After Jonesy's special appearance on uh, this little hit, you might remember. <laughs> I mean, this is Jonesy loves beer, karaoke, yakitori boys. I mean, if Mariah could hear this, <laughs> I picture Jonesy doing that MC Hammer dance with the pants too while he's saying that, like on a chair in front of her face. Yeah, like really, and she doesn't know how to react Grinding. because she wants to be nice to her lamps, but she's, she's like ter- absolutely terrified. Yeah. There's pudding in her pants. <laughs> terrified. We can't say that on the show. You can't say that. I said it. I don't think my face could possibly get <laughs> even brighter red at this moment. He has two colors now, white and red. <laughs> That's it. Maybe purple. Red. Mar- Jersey's purple. probably on Mariah's list at this point. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. From Nick Cannon to Jonesy Loves Beer, I think that feels right. Mariah, if you're listening, I know this all sounds like trolls, but... <laughs> you know oh, she's man. listening. At Jonesy Loves Beer on the Twitter. Uh, DM me. We have a huge, huge <laughs> show to get to. Ex Machina. Book one, BKV. And, uh, you know, this is a book that has the internet comic community by the bees. Everyone loves this book, Ex and Machina. The bees mm-hmm. and the V's and the other bees. And we, uh, maybe maybe we should just hop into it now. It's a book club episode. If, you, if you've come here to hear Gen Z talk about Spider-Man or... Um, or Daredevil. Or, Daredevil or, or Shadow Show. Spider-Man, or being Ray the biggest tool on the planet. You've come to the wrong episode. <laughs> if you've come to, to hear us eviscerate him, though, you're at the right spot because here we go. Start it up. Well, I'm glad you're on point tonight, Jonesy. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Ex Machina? I would love to tell you nothing but uh, BKV's majestic Ex Machina. Uh, you know, I've been a fan of BKV since picking up Why the Last Man. So, you know, no shocker here that Ex Machina would be that level of quality. Uh, it focuses on the world's first and only superhero, uh, Mitchell Hundred, who went by the name of the Great Machine. Uh, his powers are, I guess, is it a technopath? Like he can talk to uh, both computers and complicated machines. Like he can tell the slide of a gun to jam, or you know anything that has like moving parts. He kind of has direct control over uh, through his voice. I'm sure. Uh, and he, Warren Ellis has reblogged some articles on his Tumblr about. Such things existing. Technopathy, Technopathy. and, you know, <laughs> technopathic uh, blog, I think yeah, is what it's sinners. called. Sinners. Uh, <laughs> sinners. www.sinners. Uh, actually, don't go to that website. <laughs> I'm sure that's terrible. Uh, so anyhow, uh, Mitchell uh, has a short career as a superhero. He's kind of lauded as uh, the great hero of 9-11. And uh, he uses that fame to run for mayor of New York City in the aftermath of 9-11. And book one is the story of not only his his struggle to 
become a good mayor and get past the, you know, the hurdles of being a complicated politician, but also kind of get past the public's opinion of this person with powers. I mean, there's no other person on the planet, you know, with powers except for him. And now he's, a you know, a one celebrity. And it also treats us to a series of flashbacks to kind of tell his origin and what exactly causes his powers and what ramifications that has on the planet. Uh, it has a great supporting cast and uh, is, a, in my opinion, a stroke of genius by BKV. Uh, Ex Machina, great title. Had an amenity. Yes. And you're a big fan of Saga. I am. So BKV, you you haven't gone back to read his Swamp Thing stuff, right? Or no? Um, he did the Tefa stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. Yes. It was awful. I Please wasn't happy with that. I mean, okay. I mean, it wasn't for us. Maybe it's not awful. Just wasn't for us. Yeah. Sorry. The old bait and switch KV. They call him. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think of uh, this first book one? Um. A lot of the book ones that you guys have done, I very seldomly continued reading. Um, Usually I'm like, oh, yeah, it was good. All right, whatever. But that's enough. Uh, This one I'm definitely going to continue reading. Absolutely. There you have it. I agree. There you go. And that's a wrap, right, guys? That's it. So we'll see everybody. Great show. Uh, Letter sounder, please. (laughs) No, I like, I love his writing. Um, He... He writes women really well. I enjoy that. Um, he had a lot of strong women in this book. Um, I liked his take on a superhero in real life. I think he was like spot on. Sure. The Great Machine. I was kind of, I didn't like the name The Great Machine. I thought it was like the lamest superhero name I could ever think yeah, of. Yeah, but like right now, like if you were given a power, what would your yes. name be? Badass man. Yes, it would. <laughs> You want James running around saying, badass man. He's a B.A. man. No, see, you should have to alter it for a kid. Super guy. Super dude. You're an idiot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Dale. Mark that down. Timestamp 1440. <laughs> the, um, I, di- I, I enjoyed, um, this is the first time I've ever really, I read the first issue and then for whatever reason stopped, like last year. So the, the 9-11 stuff was an interesting twist. I, I actually can't remember what year this did come out. So I wasn't sure how soon it was. Maybe the intern can let us know. Matt HH. The, the cliffhanger of issue one was that he saved the second tower on September 11th. And he was kind of a junior lame superhero up until that time, just saving, you know, cats from trees and kids riding on top of subways. It's like maybe Oh four, by the way. Thank you. Dale HH. And I was really fascinated by what, what that act, what that storyline actually felt like, you know, three yeah. years after September 11th, yeah. and what that impact was. But the, it actually didn't really play a huge part in the first book. Like it was a, I guess, a pivotal moment as to why he was successful. But it could have been any tragedy, and I guess it granted in realism during the book. And other than that, I wasn't expecting the, the political aspects of the book. And in the in the the end of book one, he kind of talks about how it was going to be like West Wing meets Unbreakable. Or something. Can't remember what. Um, yeah, Unbreakable. And I guess I didn't expect that. I didn't know what the heck the storyline was going to be, but it was a very 
long build, like simmering, um, um, BKV storyline. Like they mention a, an arch nemesis for hundred in the first book, but he's never really shown still. Like it's just this marinating character that maybe you'll get towards the end of the book or the middle. I have no idea. But other than that, he really didn't have a main villain. It was just a guy that he knew. Spoilers. Same with his background with his mom. There's a couple of flashbacks of his mom, like a few panels, but that's it. We don't really know what happened to her. Mm-hmm. His hippie mom. Up. Yeah. Um. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I, I did enjoy it, but I. I. I don't. I don't think I. I didn't love it. I guess maybe because I. I had no idea what to expect going in, or maybe it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Mm. I wasn't expecting West Wing, but I mean the dialogue that the mayor had with the. If it was it the FBI agent or the commissioner during that last issue, issue eleven was probably the best writing in the whole series that at up until that point. And uh, I really enjoyed just the conversations. He wrote the conversations so well between the actual cabinet members and the characters that way. It was really well written. I don't know if I loved it. I really liked it. I I will say one of the things that drew me in uh, early on, and one thing I got, one thing that I think that BKV got right is that the Great Machine is not a very particularly good superhero. And the public, really up until 9-11, didn't really want him around and considered him more of a menace than anything else. Like, here's this do-gooder that kind of stumbles in to a crime or disaster and, you know, nine times out of ten leaves it worse off than uh, the outcome normally would have been, except for, like, a small pocket of society. And his um, he has some supporting... Uh, like, I don't know if you want to call it staff, but two people that kind of help him be the great machine and steer him in the right direction. But even then, he doesn't really get it right most of the time. And if you figure, if there was one only one superhero in the world, like, the only way we would know how to do it is the schematic laid out for us in comic books. And that's probably not the right way to go about changing the world. So the fact that that switch flips off and it becomes... A political career, and it just made sense to me, and that that made me like the book going into it. Uh, anyone else feel that way? Hmm? <laughs> Anybody? Help me. Um, Help fishing. Me. Hello. Um, I yeah i I had no idea what to expect out of this book. I think I maybe I pictured something different, but I don't know what that picture was. But I loved it. I think um, what he was able to do in terms of him just writing the job of the mayor and have that pan out in so many pages of this 273 page book was and keep it interesting i thought it was really i like i couldn't believe what i read and i loved that i read it the superhero stuff and him being able to talk to machines was like a th- maybe a third of the book and I just love that it had such an interesting had such an interesting storyline where not a whole lot happened that you would expect in a comic book, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he got to deal with a lot of like actual issues as a mayor. Yeah. Like like and it was interesting. Like it started out with the smoking ban, talking about the smoking ban. And then they had that painting of Lincoln mm-hmm. that went up in the museum. 
um, the plowmen were being killed, um, the same-sex marriages, the public school system. Like, there was so many, like, real issues Mm -hmm. that he was trying to deal with. And like Jonesy said, like, he could actually do better helping as a mayor than he could as an actual superhero. Which is which is really amazing that Brian K. Vaughn was able to write write it that way and have the superhero almost be so ineffectual that being a mayor is a cooler job in this world. I mean, and the mayor, the fact that the mayor can talk to machines doesn't even play into it. it was, I was completely amazed that I was just reading about this guy who so happened to be able to talk to machines and, and that fed, like that fed plots of the story otherwise like his past and his future what that may hold but he's just a mayor and i thought it was really cool i was so engaged by it that i i loved every minute of it and it didn't feel like it didn't feel like the read was 273 pages long like it just it went by and i I forget what i was going to say i had it, it was on the tip of my tongue you're probably going to say something about Journal. I think that was probably your favorite oh, character. I think Journal's book. a great name for a, character, for a person. <laughs> I love that name. I was waiting. Like, I thought that story with the painting and the museum was really well done and how it it felt like a an absolute West Wing or just like a, a, a TV episode, how things unfolded, how it was revealed at the end that it was the artist that ended mm-hmm. up you know, defacing the piece of art as almost, you know, a way to save herself, but also to kind of further her art career at the same time. I thought that was super well done. Um, the journal character, I thought the way that they threw her in there and how she, you know, uh, yelled back at the artist about how knowledgeable she was about her career. Yeah. I thought was beautifully written. And like she put the artist, I, yeah, right yeah, in her place, place, you know, right in her thong wearing place in that little art gallery <laughs> she was sitting in. Good heavens. The original. But the, the, uh, the, the one aspect that I'm curious about, I'm really interested, you know, I'm, I'm interested to find out what the story is with the arch nemesis and what his story is. Is he going to be like a full blown villain or is he just going to be some kook that always turned up like, um, like uh, now that we had talked about Unbreakable, I keep thinking of Samuel Jackson's character in that movie. How he wasn't—he was the arch nemesis, but he wasn't really. He was just like some psychopath or like a regular dude that turned out to have like psychopathic tendencies. So I'm curious what that main villain is. But you know, I don't know what what that stage is of the book where you get to that. And I'm interested by that because I don't think I don't think most writers these days, like regular writers could pull off that kind of long troll yeah, for a character. Yeah, this book was such a slow burn. I mean, it, the 273 pages flew by, but not a whole lot happened, I guess, in the grand scheme of a book of this magnitude. Like, it's 11 issues of comic, but breaking, it's like it just doesn't feel like a whole lot happened, which which mm-hmm. I'm not offended by at all. I don't know how I would have felt if I were reading monthly because... There's, I mean, the whole, the dialogue is fantastic, but, you know, and the, the book is like a really dialogue heavy as far as just conversations taking place. But it's, I mean, it takes a long time from beginning to end to, comp- like, for a story to start and finish, even though it reads quick. 
it's like it's really drawn out. Mm-hmm. And there's th- I loved um, Tony Harris's artwork. Every character, I felt like he almost had to draw the way he did, maybe more so, but the way that the characters were articulated and the way they spoke or what mannerisms they were doing when they were speaking was more detailed than probably any comic book I've ever read. Maybe just because there was so much conversation happening. He needed yeah, to. I th- yeah, that was the primary action yeah. of the book. Was yeah, I think that's a great point, Slim, because I, I noticed this in this probably more than any other book ever that everybody's like talking with their hands at the same time and they're having conversations and their and their body language is, is a lot more their faces too. Yeah, yeah, their body language in general is just a lot more active while just speaking to each other. And I think you're right, it's because it's so dialogue heavy, it's just characters talking to each other the, the entire time, basically. That it really feeds into giving everybody a personality and you know and he drew everybody completely different you don't the only i think i only got two characters confused his head of security and the nsa guy jackson yeah jackson yeah felt bad for that guy that, oh man that, that was that's, heavy stuff that storyline i felt the i guess the the september 11th like he has this nsa agent that is charged with like making sure all his equipment is up to code or whatever so he's just always like investigating the weird language that he uncovered and tries to get to the bottom of that and then their relationship shifts on september 11th because the nsa agent realizes in his head that he was just wasting his time trying to uncover what this weird language was when he should have been preventing the attacks from happening and he had buddies in the pentagon that were killed and he was upset at the um the great machine for not stopping that instead and at that that point like i guess i was really i didn't expect him to just like go off the rails that soon if there was anything and maybe the artifact was doing that to him because otherwise like emotionally i just couldn't picture that tailspin happening so soon it was definitely the artifact because his wife connie like she had it in her hands for minutes and then she suddenly started like having that reaction of the tv talking to her Mm. and then she cut off her Spoilers. arm. Yeah, which <laughs> which was which was kind of crazy for such a book that you're not prepped for that at all, and then it turns like hyper violent, like crossed almost crossed levels of violence, at least on screen, where she's you know hacking off her own arm with this piece of shrapnel. And even then, I didn't get that she was the one that was doing the like murdering until. Um, her hand was like right off and I was like, Oh, that it's her. She's the one mm-hmm. that's doing it. But the, like those storylines just like are just so draining because you get to know the family more than you and I, Amanda just talked about sheltered, how I couldn't keep reading it because they spent like a whole issue on these two characters and their families. And then they end up getting like murdered brutally in like that same issue. And I just uh. couldn't, emotionally like attach myself to these books because they just feel rotten but then you can say the exact opposite you could say like oh well these people died but i didn't care because i didn't know who they right. were that's true. true yeah well yeah i just, just stopped reading comics then because Probably. i can't be happy ever but the <laughs> i mean i thank god they didn't show the little girl getting hair yeah, i was afraid of that that was a plus I was afraid of that. but the oh, they showed the dog though that was that was, that was so brutal sad. that was really 
just gross. Poor dog. But like even during like some of the sickest things, like he had a joke in there. Like that Yeti like I laughed at that Yeti yeah. joke in the Clinton um regentrification because yeah. he moved to Harlem. Like plus, plus when they first uh was it the guys that found the dog they were talking about uh, like porno shops and fa- yeah. and facials and yeah. the guy was like gr- so grossed out by it and then they find the dog yeah. like all cut up yeah, yeah. the conversation before so that. gross <laughs> the um the one thing i maybe didn't get a handle on was the final issue when he went to go see the fortune teller and i and he one of his aides said or one of his plans is to shut down fortune tellers because i guess it's illegal which i had no idea you can't like take money for reading people's whatever tarot cards i don't know if that's a thing because i mean if like she had a legit shop and business hours mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't know yeah I don't know I, I, there's details. a reason that he wanted to do that psychic sweep he wanted to yeah he it's basically like the uh you know all the porn theaters in times square that they were legal but the mayor like ran them out of town anyway because they weren't good for the tourism for and business. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's that's what he wanted to do with all the psychic shops, which apparently is a huge problem in Man- Manhattan. Who knew that so many psychic shops were taking tourists for their money? <laughs> the but the the reason I bring that up is I didn't get. I guess over the course of the story, I felt like it was hard to see inside. Um, is his first name Mitchell? Yeah, Mitchell's yes. Mitchell's head. Like I, I felt it was hard to like get inside what he was thinking at any time. He was just kind of running, running, making decision, making a joke, getting into a debate, and then that was it. But the only time I really felt like I did was when he was kind of laying it out to this woman who allegedly knew that September 11th was coming, and she told one girl because nobody else, she didn't think anyone would believe her, so why not? I'll just save her life. Mm-hmm. And he was like almost like weeping in front of her, and she was saying, you know, please don't shut me down. You know, next time something bad's going to happen, I'll come and tell you. And then when he yeah. leaves, he's like, yeah, continue with the sweep tomorrow. We're shutting this place down hard. I didn't I, get that. I at think all. maybe Loved he wanted it. to know if she was the real deal. And if she knew that she was going to be put down, then she would put a stop to it before it happened. That's what so I think. So you thought he was kind of a J bag because he didn't believe her. Yeah, that's what I think. Didn't he... Just like he was tested because they didn't believe that he could really control machines. So that... F- was it the FBI guy? NSA. No. NSA. Came and like set him up. He had people attack him with blanks and shoot this blank grenade and just to see if he was the real deal. Hmm. That's what I think. There was a couple of points at that point, which is a good point. The um, That Almost. moment and when he <laughs> like used that reporter to make people think that he wasn't gay, which, you know, I don't think he is, but he wanted to further the story that he was straight, even though he's, because he's single. I felt like that was kind of a jerk move too, just to, like, I, I, maybe I didn't expect him to do that for such a political move. I think, well, he seems like the kind of guy that knows, like, he thinks, who cares, you know, but he also has been told by a few different people he needs to keep up this persona and, the public is going to care about that, so I guess he tries to make an effort, but ends up digging her. Jones, are you still alive over there? you have any thoughts? Yeah, the, the intern just uh, hit us with some uh, yeah. New York state law. I figured I'd read it. Hang on one second. Get the ledger out. I do. I, ha- I have it out here. I have my moleskin written down. For the most, for the most part, though, while Jonesy's looking that up, um, 
Oh, I have I have it right here. He, he says, all of New York's storefront psychics are technically breaking the law, but they're rarely hmm. prosecuted. And he uh, has a link to an article. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. There you have it. A little bit of the... Uh, I don't think they're bothering anyone. I think that's part of the experience. Mm. You used to do not like those, time. Not like those characters that try and like harass you for tips. And then they take their helmets or masks off and they're like <laughs> smoking a cigar. And then your son off. is terrified. <laughs> oh no. Slim, your thoughts on Nimity finding you through a psychic? <laughs> she, you, uh, when we first started dating, you were all about uh, psychics. I wasn't. I wasn't all about it. Yeah, I, I previously like, your first line to me was, "Excuse me, I'm all about psychics." Right, that's, that was, was your that quote. It? Yeah, was that it? Mm-hmm. No, I previously dated a guy who was a Wiccan, oh, so I knew a lot word. about that. We stuff. all grow, don't we, as people? <laughs> we knew. We knew. <laughs> Well, I mean, around this time, you have to picture Amanda as wearing those, like... Oh, my God. <laughs> I could say some websites right now, and you would just shut it down. This marriage, shut down. Listen, we'll talk we offline. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. offline. <laughs> I don't know what she's talking about, but I'm just going to pause. Right. We're going to pause this dialogue. Let's, let's just all I got hear what stuff. she has to say. <laughs> It's like she has a trench coat and she just opened ready, it to yeah. reveal a gun and that she is this cocked and ready She's to ready go. She's ready to go Neo on you. She just <laughs> went to the gun store of her mind and... Oh, boy. Shut it down, those websites. That's what I heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I do like coming off of, you know, Pride of Baghdad and the American soldiers, book. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. killing the lions at the end. <laughs> I do yeah, like lit up with lead. Yeah, yeah. I do like how this book Don't touch me. was <laughs> political, but it wasn't like I don't think it was trying to drive you to any of his views on politics or George W. Bush or anything like that. It might have been because I agreed with most of his views, but I feel like he was definitely laying them out there. Well, he he said he was he wasn't tied to any party, but he considered himself a realist. That was like the only quote that he gave. Yeah, but maybe it's maybe it's because he was able to write both sides or both or multiple uh, you know views on the same subject. I, I guess maybe that's like, and if he was any one particular character, he was able to put other characters in the book that kind of uh, expressed different views at least. Yeah. But you but you are right where I feel that a lot of the stuff that he did, I I probably agreed with too. But it was nice that. It wasn't like anti-American anyway, like American soldiers <laughs> killing the lions just out of. <laughs> you really had a problem with the ending of that book. It's stuck in your stuck craw. Stuck in my craw about that, and I, you know, I don't know. Well, speaking of stuck in your craw, wait until we get to the thirty emails about Transmetropolitan oh that we have god. in our inbox. <laughs> wait, oh my god, he's already swinging his receipt around like a bolo tie. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. There's I'm just there's nothing that furthers my opinion of the book. Everyone's coming out of the woodwork finally to defend Transmetropolitan. After you Open started, my big it. Fat yeah. Mouth. After you did it, a couple. I don't know why people ago. care what I say. Well, yeah. um, but no. So uh, the only thing that you are interested in is finding out more about his arch nemesis. Not like where these powers came from, where that thing came from. If he's yeah. going to dress up again. I actually, I'm not like uh, rah rah about his superhero hmm. persona. I mean, they really painted it as being just a total lamo. I mean, and but like a realistic superhero. Like I'm not like he's a symbol. I can't wait for him to put the costume on. You know, it's going to mean something big. 
What are you grinning like an idiot? Because that's what I like about it. I like that he's like a total like failure almost. Everything he does, he just like makes it worse. Like mm-hmm. he stopped a robbery and made a ten car pileup. Yeah, like, I like that. He aspect saved of it. some guy from a train, and the next day the newspaper was like, "Crazy man shuts down subway for yeah, eleven yeah, hours." Yeah. Like that was that's what would really happen. Yeah, it was awesome. The but I mean I like it, but I'm that doesn't mean I'm just ready for him to put the costume on. I'm gonna start sobbing uncontrollably. I'm just wondering if he's going to because the psychic said that he was going yeah. to and i'm not gonna sob either well, you never sob at anything you're I an don't. emotionalist freak i don't the um the other aspect your, your counterpoint in every way <laughs> i like there was I, I like how his uh his power was put t- t- illustrated on paper where he could he would just say out loud what he was saying to the machines and that's how he controlled his powers. I think I thought that was really unique. He just didn't have to think, and maybe he does. But for the sake of this book, he says everything out loud. But mm-hmm. the uh, towards the middle or end of the of book one, when he's talking to his little jetpack, he's actually like speaking machine oh, to have like this deep conversation with the jetpack <laughs> that that has no feelings whatsoever. But he thought he'd speak his mind and. Uh, you know, how he grew up and he had to move on and stuff like that. He could have just had an inner monologue about that, but he decided to speak machine to speak to it. That was, I thought that was really great. I, I, I mean, I am interested to see the kind of other aspects of what happens in the city and, you know, what happens with this reporter. But, you know. Can I tell you what I'm most interested to find out? Please. So... You remember when he and the reporter were out to dinner? Mm, you bet I do. Yes. And he told her that story about that transmitter or whatever, mm. and he put it down next to the radio, and he started hearing um, The Stars Are Down. A song that had never been recorded. Yeah, by Nirvana. It was, uh, it was Nirvana. was uh, like They did a voice match, whatever, and it was like Nirvana playing um, The Stars Are Down. And uh, so she's like, so you're hearing music from beyond the grave? And she's like, you're totally messing with me. And he was like, yeah. But he was, was totally trying to confess something to her, right? He totally was, right? Yes. I thought I think there was so. like, Do you know why? Mm, why? Well, did you catch later when uh, Connie was like trying to kill him? The, her last words were, the stars are down. What? Yeah. I didn't and catch that. And then also, also, so right before that, she was saying... The prophets of the or the words the prophets are written, and then she stopped. She didn't finish it, but it was on the subway walls where the markings were. So something Man. is happening. So, but but what is it? Is it f- with music and aliens? I don't think I don't know if that's what is <laughs> I, happening. My initial thought was like another dimension, like fringe. Or no, yeah, I I read it as like yeah another reality where mm. something did happen and there's like a weird crossover happening i'm thinking aliens plus there's like everyone on the planet has already read this book and, and i know hopefully I nobody to, spoils it for us i know because it's gonna be so uh, awful f you guys if you freaking spoil this for me <laughs> f you forever amanda and i watch so oh much God. television in silence because i think the last two times we've mentioned a show people just come in throw their opinions down our throat like it's some unwanted yeah. assault we're like oh we just watched the first episode of the show and they're like oh in the, uh, season seven in the last episode this is what happened <laughs> used and to then it. the entire everybody dies <laughs> get used to it <laughs> really crap sad around the third season don't bother <laughs> it's vampires who was that um screw you guy vampire I don't guy. remember you were really annoyed at I'm that one so annoyed for what so show that's our life 
That's our life in hell. Man. That's why um, we kept Broadchurch a secret. Yeah, we didn't talk oh, about man. Broadchurch till it was over. Yeah. We made the mistake of watching Grace Point first. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I know, guys, right? <laughs> no. Brookie. But Broadchurch... Broad Church so much better in every way. Probably, so it's like, no. I mean, that is it's it's a filthy story that you just told that you started that first. Broad Church is probably um, the greatest television series ever produced, ever in the history of television. You know, season two is airing. I know, but I think we're gonna. I think we should wait. I almost like kind of don't want to watch it. This first season of Broad Church was perfection. I. Lo- I liked watching the entire thing also. Yeah. Like finishing it. I don't know if I could wait. Yeah, we watched like five episodes that one night just yeah. to finish it. Yeah. Oh, mm. Matt H.H. Oh, man, he says from Rush. Just fresh over the wire. What does that say? It's the ending of Broadchurch season two. <laughs> <laughs> Combined. Matt H. H. It's actually the same ending as Ex Machina. They are actually the same things. He says... The words of the prophets are written on the subway walls as a line from Rush, That's right. the spirit. That's right, it is. How did you not know that, Dale? What's, what's going on over there? It's, uh, it's, um... Well, on my ha- my screen name's not Rush Fan uh, 2099. I don't... It's the sound of silence. What's that letter for, Rush Fan? I don't it's know the sound of silence from Simon and Carfunkel. Is it? Matt the words H-H. of the prophets are written on the subway walls in Tenement Falls. Maybe r- and is it's Rush. Rush. Also it is Simon Rush, Garfunkel? too. Are they the wow. same band? Is that the Jesus. reveal? That's oh my the, god, that's it! That's we just solved the riddle of Ex Machina. <laughs> well, I won't be reading. That's, uh, <laughs> it's probably in another dimension. It's probably the. Uh, it is probably Broadchurch, the the uh, theme song to Broadchurch. It is David Tennant <laughs> as Broadchurch as Ex Machina's villain. It's David Tennant as a town. <laughs> <laughs> as the uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Fright Night. <laughs> The original movie, one of the greatest dance club scenes. In, in oh, believe that! All right, there you have it. We have we have like uh, about twenty minutes of Transmetro we need to get into, so Stop. let's get the letters. It's uh, one letter ready. Uh, it's it's more than one. Is my it? Friend. Oh, several, and they're all Trendy like, math. "Dale was right." Like, we F- got you your letters. Guys, the fine. Just, <laughs> stop I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them mm, to you. Episode 186, everyone decides to walk all over the letters <laughs> intro sounder. <laughs> like, we're all new to this. Like, this, letters like it's the early com. episodes, as, as <laughs> Minity would say. With your Dale, new segment. Do you, <laughs> do you want to read the first letter, Dale, so you can kind of hit all of your transmit letters? Jones is just going to put his hand down his pants while you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling up, uh, pulling up the app now. Jose, as we speak. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get number one oh, from our dear friend at Jim Lind for Pope. Subject: Jonesy was right. <laughs> Iron Fist, the living weapon, is a treat. It's a, and uh, that is absolutely one? true. No, I got. Are you it. gonna troll yourself now? Oh Me? yeah, it was a treat. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 Jim Jim Lind actually what? in the book that will be written about Jonesy's life, Jim Lind will be rooted as you know the main troll that set Jonesy off course. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, in the second phase uh, of his life. Oh yeah, Iron Fist, Living Weapon, right? <laughs> yeah, right, Jim Lind, and I'm a big piece of crap. Sure, you right? think that, Jim? <laughs> Why don't I just Iron Fist myself in the face? Would you feel better then? All right, let's go. All right, the second letter. Yeah, I got it. It's from a friend of the show and uh, Grand Pro Wrestling Champion. 
Dr. Feelgood himself, Andrew Dickinson. Uh, hey, fellas, what's up? Wow, what an H of a year 2014 was, huh? Who can forget the blazing summer of PK? We thought those long, hazy days would never end. Or how we all learned to do it mouthy style. <laughs> I, for one, am still slightly swollen over my left mandible, but it's a small price to pay. 2014 also brought with it an innovation with Ragams, the multifunctional child control device. I know I can sleep a lot easier now that my child has one of those tied to their face at night, every night. But what does 2015 hold in store? Perhaps a previously dead host will rise from his grave. R.I.P. Mark. Will Jonesy's doctor finally collect enough tokens to send off for his medical degree? <laughs> will Jonesy still be alive by that point to even care? Whatever happens, it is sure to be magical. So now comes the favor. My New Year's resolution is to get through my comicsology backlog. It's actually quite harrowing logging on and seeing the amount of comics I have accumulated from the various sales. If each comic was a coin, I could swim through them Scrooge McDuck style. Sadly, they are not coins. They are comics, and I need to read them. I will attach a list below of the titles I have in the slim hope. Haha, <laughs> pun. You may choose, for a few, uh, choose a few for book clubs over the next 12 months. Seeing you fellas feature them on an episode might be all the inspiration I need to get the darn thing to read the darn things myself. If I had to pick just one, then it would be Hellblazer. You see, when I hit that sale, when that sale hit, I was a Brit living in New Zealand, and out of some twisted sense of patriotism, I end up buying the whole run, all three hundred issues. So far, I have read seven. <laughs> yours, yours, hoping at Dirk feel good on the tw- on their that their Twitter. Then, of course, he attaches a a an impressive impressive list of uh, comics that we should throw on the uh, the, the the Google Doc because uh, there's some good ones on there. Hellblazer being one. Excellent. What are the top, are the top three on that list right now? Uh, anyway. Rachel Rising, I'd say. That's good. Exo mm. Man of War. Exo Man of War, Jonesy says. Oh, man, there's some good ones. And some, I uh, like Pax Robana. Uh, I think I. Oh, Shock Rockets. Hypernaturals. Oh, is that already on the, the doc? I think. Hypernaturals? I've never heard of half of these books. Hyper. Hypernaturals. There we go. I mean, Slim, uh, I can for If you'd like, I can just forward you the chunk of books so you don't have to open the email at all. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> Slim doesn't like to be handed to One of the inconvenience. No, I, I appreciate uh, your effort there, Dale. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Dale, I think you should, should read the next email. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. This is from a huge friend of the show, uh, Matt Moore, at Gorilla Scribe on the Twitter. Coming to your defense. I can feel it. Lads. Transmetropolitan. I discovered this book around 2003 or 04 while living in Stockholm. I had been a lapsed comics reader, having not purchased a book since the summer of 1988. This one, though, just caught my eye. Given I was prone to bouts of browsing the comic shop in the Gamla Stan section of the Swedish capital on cold, dark winter weekend days, its proximity to the pub was a bonus, of course. Man, this guy's humble We've brag. all been there. Humble bragging. Humble bragging. <laughs> I was transfixed by its dark, dystopian future, yet cheered by the salty and profane nature of Spider-Jerusalem 2 
as he took down sacred cows for pleasure and profit while waxing rhapsodic about the future ills of the accelerated contemporary era. Is it a title for everyone? No. The weak-willed, easily offended, easily influenced, hopping on the first bandwagon to whatever is hip and cool need not apply to turn the pages of this brain-rotting, mind-peeling masterpiece. But to folks like me, to Dale, to women and men with wills of iron and gravel in their bellies, whiskey on the table and dry olives, it's a salve that soothes away the wiles of this messed-up world. And nothing you can say will ever change that. Your pal, Matt in the Glenside sector of the PA Commonwealth. P.S. Really dug the deep dive into Avengers AI recently. That was one of those series I wrote about ahead of its release for the Associated Press, and I felt it delivered strongly on its premise of artificial intelligence and communities seeking a homeland. Sam Humphreys did fine work on that. There you have it. Humble scribe writing in (laughs) about... uh... You know, eating caviar in Stockholm and having comic books read to him. Pinky's out style. I feel like that's the antithesis of Spider Jerusalem, whatever he was doing in, in Stockholm. Well, he's know, not, he wasn't really rebelling against anything. That's why he's just reading about it. It's it's so much easier to just read about it. I'll tell you what's easier, just throwing the book in the trash. He, and, and folks, he <laughs> nailed the description of the book on the head, okay? Thank you, Matt Moore, for that. It was... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Moore on Dale's side to the bitter end. Thank you, Matt. Matt Moore probably has never even read Transmetropolis <laughs> nor been to Stockholm. And, but he, he went to bat for One you. One giant troll. That's right. <laughs> that was very elaborate. His AP I mean, writing skills the PS really showed. He said he liked Avengers AI. I mean, come on. <laughs> did you hear the uh, the basically trolling Jonesy part of the, e- the email too that you didn't even really pick up on if you didn't pay attention no because oh, yeah. i'm weak-willed and i'm a bandwagon <laughs> jumper i didn't catch any of that stuff okay i mean it, it was probably just something about me being a piece of ass like, <laughs> I just pretty saying. soon we're gonna get to the point where emails about jonesy are just you're a piece of ass and that's <laughs> the end of the, the email that's all i hear anyway <laughs> next letter uh, good friend of the show at very exciting on the Twitter. Uh, he says spoilers, but not really. Relax. Star Wars number one: Jason Aaron and John Cassaday on art duties, uh, picking up after the events of Star Wars Four: A New Hope. Your favorite rebels go to your favorite desert planet to be met with your favorite bad guy. Is the new Star Wars going to be anything other than warmed up, rehashed nostalgia? Ooh. Oof. Thanks. Very exciting. Very controversial on the Twitter. What are your thoughts? That was a $5 book, so I don't know if you guys picked that up. Mm. I loved it. Really? And I spent I spent every one of those pennies in those $5. You know John worked pretty hard on that issue. John Cassidy. You could tell. He was on point, that issue. And a minute, did you read Star Wars number one? Nope. You don't have to be a jerk about it. Man. Just answer your question, bro. Boop. Boop. I didn't. Uh, I didn't read it either. As a combination of the shops completely selling out uh, when what? I got there at twelve thirty p.m. on Wednesday. Holy cow! Well, was it in your your no? Because I was like, well, it's Star Wars. They're selling a million copies. There's probably one at the shop for me on the shelf. I, and it was five dollars. Yeah, it was. I wonder how that. I'm just curious because the initial orders were like a million, which are inflated 
probably anyway. There's no way that oh, yeah. every shop in the... I mean, there's probably like some loot crate deal mm-hmm. somewhere. But how does like a place like the comic book shop show sponsor know how many to order at that point? I wouldn't have any idea how many to order. Of course, I don't a know thousand. the comic book shop, but still. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, they just have to go with their gut, I guess. I mean, that's why, you know, they're in the business, business of running a shop and we're not. That's why they run a successful comic book shop. It's too adorable. They absolutely are. The comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware, run by Sarah and Titus. Check them out. Did they, like, what was the reaction where you, like, did your little strut and your New Balances <laughs> kicking out when you get in the store? Did you, <laughs> did you, like, was there just a blank spot on the wall for Star Wars and you asked about it? Or was there just, like, no Star Wars, bud? How, what was, can you, can you lay out the scene I'm, for I'm us? I'm guessing both Martinez and Duffy couldn't make eye contact with you when you walked So in. I, I strut, I, okay, I strutted in the shop, you know, and they're pr- kind of, kind of busy. It's kind of a busy Wednesday, but I just, I mean, I just stopped everything. This is... I really am the OGB of the Paper Cake crew when you think about it. <laughs> That's what I did. I, did I, I actually even forgot to bring up Star Wars. <laughs> it was just that. <laughs> but uh, but it, Martinez liked it, in the very least. You know, mm-hmm. Titus at the back, so he didn't hear. So he, he probably would have liked it, too. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Not that anybody asked. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Our next letter from a solidified, met-in-person friend of the show, uh, wanted in at least one U.S. contiguous United States, Michael uh, at Catcher. On the Twitter, Michael. I'm sorry if you didn't want anybody to know that. (laughs) I had to know, transmit for myself, the title of this email. The first part of the book containing Spider Jerusalem's travel back to the city took me over a week to read through and felt certain that Dale had let me down. But as Jerusalem begins to explore more of the city and gets comfortable in his old habits and routine, I found myself enjoying the book so much more. Well, all, with all its futurist technobabble, Warren Ellis and Derek Robertson actually managed to create a world that feels oddly relevant to our current one. It does occasionally miss the mark and can at times feel gratuitous, but I found these moments are more telling of the time it was written than, than the world he was trying to predict. I know that stamping something with my seal of approval should be taken with a grain of salt, a.k.a. Uh, Flex Mentallo. <laughs> A book this funny and interesting should be read at least once. Hashtag Team Dale. <laughs> and he had got two uh, screen grabs of his favorite pages. I think that was actually the last time Kesha wrote in about comics was when he recommended <laughs> Flex Mentallo, and then he just kind of went radio silent after that episode. Then we had a cabal, a, a group message cabal, where we were like, we can't possibly do this book <laughs> on the yes. air. Yeah, man, that was brutal. Brutal book. It was like the Marvel Illuminati when we had to meet with our Infinity Gems. Yeah, but we couldn't think straight or see straight because of the words. The uh, the words we read on the page made us uh, shard and shrapnel our iPads and cut our own arm off. 
<laughs> I mean, it was brutal stuff. Flex Mentale. It was a tough night for Did all you of listen us. To that episode, Flex Mentale. I don't think so. I'd be interested in listening back to that one. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any. I've already <laughs> like wiped out the memory that what that book was. I don't even remember why I didn't like it. I don't remember anything. It, it you was, already forget it this was book. The strong man in the leotard doing nothing. Next letter, final letter from Ex Machina. Slim. That's what. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Huge friend of the show. Uh, solidified his spot as the show intern. Uh, listener lightning around here uh, for Star Wars uh, issue number one. Uh, I had no intention of jumping on this bandwagon, even though Star Wars Episode Four is my favorite movie of all time. Wow. But I somehow found myself buying and reading it first last night. Although skeptical, I was impressed by how cinematic they made the book from the opening credits splash page to the homage of the opening shot spaceship flyover and the reveal of Vader showing up. Spoilers. All of which left me intrigued enough to pick up the next issue. Matt Double H. That was two sentences. Very well done. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to, to to speaking about this and what Very Exciting said, I mean, it's been, it's been like people have been chomp, champing, chomping at the bit for Star Wars to or pick champing. up right after. You know, why, why wouldn't them, why wouldn't yeah. it be the same Star Wars you know and love just in, you know, a, a new plot? You know, what I read um, was that Thrawn trilogy. Read all three of them. How's the comic? I mean, I love the novels. Never read the novels, and I think the text is actually directly lifted from the novels. Oh. They don't change anything. I'm gonna have to download that. Loved the last, uh, the last scene, the last trade. I thought it was good. I never. Is Mara Jade in Mara the comic Jade too? is huge in this book. I had a connection to Mara Jade, mm. and I surmise that she get is... get in there, Slim. <laughs> Like, if you could have seen Nimitz's facial yeah, reaction, is there an eye roll? To, an eye it was roll? no, it was just like a flinch. Like, like I just oh, knew it was coming. The walking hand in hand in the park, nice long walk, eating ice cream. Yeah, I wanted. I wanted to one set of footprints. Right, Mara Jade. If I can just have a moment uh, outside of the troll, of outside of Amanda's. Is she uh, part of your three troll shields? The Mara Jade is the Heath Houston of the Star Wars universe. Oh God! Wow. Out there right now. God, Did he just flip the table over with uh, you know, <laughs> with, with a box of tissues? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just knew of her. I don't know what her story becomes like after that in the comics. I won't comment. I almost don't want to know. But they really played the relationship between Luke and Mara very well. There was she, you know, they were with each other for a lot of the book, and there wasn't any kind of hint of them just like ready to go primal with each other. There was just like kind of some kind of unspoken relationship thing that just wasn't what you'd expect. I, I really enjoyed it. There you have it. Look at me. There you go. <laughs> Sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> you can take whoever you want for a walk in the park and some ice cream. I just want to. I you know I read about Mara and I want to go go get a hot dog whether it's Seven Eleven mm. and just talk about you know what Life. her life's been. Love. What her learnings are. Happiness. Slim, if you could just be gone the whole time her coven meeting is going on, you know, <laughs> there would be no kind of issues or anything. That was low. Come on. <laughs> I, had, I, I, I mean, welcome I had, our great Earth Mother Overlords. <laughs> what a show. We made it. Did we? We Barely. got an hour out of that, man. Ooh. We did. We stretched it out. 
probably a lot of fluff in there, so we apologize. Next week, Amanda will not be here. Thank God. Uh, bummer. Aww, uh, Amanda I'm talking about this apartment. We're actually getting divorced. But next week, The Bunker. <laughs> what a way to announce it. Volume 1 from Oni Press. Goodbye, everybody. Stop touching me. We've ever gone that far into the song before, have we? We have. <laughs> have we? Dale and I both said uh, that we love that part of the song. Multiple times. Oh. <laughs> Jonesy. Jonesy, it's like Jonesy's memory is completely erased. <laughs> from of mine. I, I didn't feel like that was possible, but. It's bad, guys. What a show. <laughs> All right. What a show. Man, what was your pick that you read this week? What, was, what, would, what would you have talked about on the show had we a segment? Um, I read Spawn of Mars. Hmm. It's pretty awesome. It's, um, it's a collection of like, I think it, I said it was like 30 different stories. Um, mm-hmm. short sci-fi stories, uh, 50s style. I'm into, uh, older vintage type dealies. A lot of monsters, a lot of space travel. Wow. A lot of, uh... Going back in time. Just like a big collection? Yeah. Yeah, it was mm. pretty cool. I read it uh, today. Is it like... No, you didn't. N- yeah. Is it I new stories? You didn't even read your... You didn't even read the book we did today. Fine, I just won't talk about it. I, won't, I, don't, I never <laughs> will talk about the comic book with you ever. Did you like what you read? Who cares? How many, sto- how many stories did you read? I read the first three. Did you like them? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, each Each one was kind of like an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's pretty cool. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. What is this? Whoa. In hardcover? What is this? It's uh, a Fantagraphics like yeah. anthology oh. of old Wallywood EC comics. Oh, is that with like the uh, cool color palette down the spine? Uh, I'm not sure. The, the book itself was black and white. Yeah. But Let's see, what's it called? Spawn of Mars. Spawn yeah. of Mars. Yeah. It's like twenty twenty two bucks. Yeah. Digitally, it came out. I'd say like two or three weeks ago. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. Stories are really good. There was one. I would like a hardcover of that. Yeah, there's some. Um, I I put there was that one. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover now. There's like they have like 15 of those kind of books out. Do they really? I th- I threw them all on my Amazon wish list at some point, but took them all off because I knew nobody would get them for me. <laughs> but they're all old stories, like they're some war stories and some old uh, sci-fi stories and stuff. Yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It came out in digital. I um. The parts that I really liked were, 
you know, this is like before the moon landing. What year did this stuff come out? Do you know? Is it the 50s? I have no idea. No, well, some sto- some stories went back to 1912 because one story was about the Titanic and one was in like 83, I think was the most recent one. But that, I mean, that was just the date yeah. on the book. So That's yeah. what I was going to say. The the astronauts, where they, they have these astronauts go to the moon, but it's like these, I mean, the, the astronauts are like, as old as my dad, they're smoking a pipe and wearing slacks in this like astronaut uh, <laughs> rocket. Yes. It's just hilarious looking how that was perceived at the time. It's funny. One story, um, one common thing about every single story is every planet that they land on, every satellite of a planet, every moon, everything, it's always spoken. Oh, the oxygen level is uh, sustainable. We don't have to wear spacesuits outside. <laughs> so they get away with not having to... Lucky. Yeah, the it's one, great. the last one I read where they land on some bizarre planet and they're like, oh, it's, it's very close to ours. We can breathe here. They say that every single, here. every issue. It's great. Oh. And all, all of the monsters, spoilers, but they're all man eating monsters. The, um, the That's one story awesome. that I really liked was they, these scientists were so upset by the atomic bombs that they were building that they decided to leave and find another planet to build a civilization. But it takes, um, do you remember how many years it took together? It was like four hundred thousand years. This this was a common theme in some of the stories too. So I don't remember. Some were some were like it was going to be a hundred and ninety three generations. Yeah, that yeah. was the one. It, like they knew full well it was going to take so many years, but they did it anyway. And then so the people didn't even know what their new future planet looked like. Yeah, and it was, was it but was, it was like so many generations. It was and then insane. They decided to go back to Earth, and it took them nine thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> and they oh were God. they were and every time they're traveling at the speed of light too yeah so it's, yeah they're Ooh. going pretty far away different galaxies mm-hmm. and it's there's one where um every time a child is born they have to kill the oldest person because they only planned enough food for like a thousand people at one time for the duration of the entire flight holy crap so yeah that was a pretty good one i feel like i've heard that kind of story before somewhere yeah. i love it it was a great book that's cool. And it's, it was a long... I mean, I read it straight through, but you could break it up in between, like, whatever, and just read it every now and then, but mm. I just kept going with it. Hmm. Might be at the top of my fanographics list now, Amanda. Thank you. You've also read um, one of Dale's books, Rachel Rising. I read Rachel Rising, too, yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't read the past two issues, I think, because that was a book that I liked reading all at once. Um, mm. It's kind of slow, issue by issue, so I'm going to hold off for a bit. Yeah, I'm, I only read the first maybe 14 or 16 of them, but I was always, like you just said, I was always frustrated at the pace it would move, mm-hmm. but the last page of each issue was like, oh God, now I have to read the next yeah. one because it's that amazing. Yeah. I have a hard time too. Um, some of Terry Moore's girls look very similar and I get them confused, mm-hmm. especially if I take that time in between. I'm like, wait, who's that again? Remember that doctor from that story where we thought was uh yeah and I don't remember what it was like <laughs> the big L yeah we couldn't tell if it was a man yeah. or a woman the, the doctor like the first few issues of Rachel her Rising. aunt her aunt I can't yeah remember yeah it's it's a chick it's uh, her aunt well, the I, the I one that um, uh, does the corpses yeah the mortician oh. yeah it was a chick she, I think she was actually gay. Yeah, she had... Uh, I feel like we did that for book club and we all like were unsure. Yeah. No, it was, or maybe it was, just it was definitely a woman. 
spoilers. If okay, I was gonna never mind. I was gonna say something, but it's totally a spoiler. Oh yeah. <laughs> I also read uh, one, <clears throat> a couple. I'm trying to think of volume ones that you guys did that I continued reading. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Oh I yeah. Continue to read that. Yeah. And Strangers in Paradise. Um, on like oh volume god. fifteen of that one. Oh my god! High five over yeah. there! Holy crap! <laughs> So you like League of Extraordinary Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yeah, uh, I read the yes. second volume. It's it's really good. I I don't know. I like that whole monsters <gasps> thing. I guess that's uh, mm-hmm. something I'm into. My God, I'm smiling now. <laughs> Strange in Paradise is uh, they have there's an omni like super omnibus out. It's soft cover, but it's in a box set. The comic shop has it. I want to get that. <laughs> it's good. It's it it's pretty repetitive. Um, in the storyline, but I'm so far in that I'm like, well, if mm-hmm. I stop now, it'll be stupid. <laughs> right. So. Wow. I also read um, oh. Tomb of the Zombies. Mm-hmm. Sounds uh, amazing. It reminded me of um, I Kill Giants, kind mm. of. It's mm. good. So there's nothing Not about deep. zombies or tombs in it? Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> this family, and um, they have this crazy uncle. And he, like, is always coming up with these, like, weirdo, crazy plans. Mm. And uh, he's in Egypt, and he wants help from his niece. And uh, he's trying to get into this club, the Kodiak Club. It's, like, some well-known scientists and explorers or something like that. And uh, so he's trying to get in, and he's doing all these weirdo projects to be noticed. So he found out that there's a a pyramid in Egypt that has a curse that can uh, raise the dead. And uh, whoever raises the dead is their master. So he's like the master <laughs> of all these zombies. It's wow. pretty good. Can it's, we, a, it's a very quick read, too. Can we change the show format where we can just ask you about all the comics of the week? <laughs> that I've read. This is, this is so amazing. <laughs> I'm like floored. I love it. I love it. Uh, right now, Karate Chop is like playing the podcast in the room with his wife trying to make something happen. <laughs> it's like totally hinting. I revived it. Totally hinting. He's just so. like moving the phone closer I wrote to her. That, I wrote that yeah. thing. I tried. I wrote a thing. You did write a thing. <laughs> that was good, too. It yeah, was it was thing, great. Mm-hmm. I thought. My wife loved that. I know. She said she almost read a comic. Yeah, she's just saying that probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like she said she liked my red sauce. I still think that she hated it. And I'm like, Next vacation, I know, to never make a red sauce ever again. It, it like haunts me. It haunts me. Oh, no. She'll eat. I'll, I would bake her eat that. Stop being so like. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll, I would like pull her side or if nobody else is in the room, like you're going to eat that red sauce. You know that, right? No, <laughs> so she would have. Like she said she oh, liked yeah. it, but I don't believe her. I forgot she was a real Italian. <laughs> Italian. Yeah. No excuse. Genzi, I don't think Genzi said anything for the last twenty minutes. Is he still alive? That's not true. I, I hemmed and hawed at things you guys. What was your saying? number? Uh, what did you read, Genzi? Anything good? Oh, let's see. No, nothing really good. I did like this uh, past uh, issue of Superman and Wonder Woman. They've been kind of going into uh, the origin of Magog from Kingdom Come. So. That's pretty neat. Oh, that's cool. Nothing else really. It's not Soul Man I don't, anymore, I don't right? Wanna... No. Who was writing? Let me get in here. Tomasi or something? I don't want to talk about... Yeah, it is Tomasi. I don't want to talk about the other book I read because I'll get ridiculed. And <laughs> Jonesy, you got me to read uh, Shadow Show. Isn't it great? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I love it. It reminds, reminds me of... Um, Jim Jim Henson's uh, witches that's coming out like each individual issue is a different story fairy tale type thing. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> mm. I'm with you on that. Yeah, they're like tra- they're like adapted screenplays or something, right? G- Jim Henson's witches. That I do not know. Maybe I'll read Shadow Show and the Elliptical tonight. I'll put it in guided view. Wow. So don't damage no, my back. Uh, all it, all it took was your wife to mention it. I said it was the greatest comic. No, I mention anything to him and he just laughs it off and forgets about it. But if someone on Twitter says something, then it's... That's not true. I need Karate t- Chop t- t- to get no, on it. It takes, it takes a lot for me to <laughs> read a book on a recommendation. That's all. Yeah, and I can't believe it took you forever to read Low. Hmm. Takini. Takini wasn't his I needed, boy. I needed, to, I needed to sit. I needed to reflect on it. I needed to just, you know, I needed to just do some You're personal caught. reflection. You caught, bro. Anybody out there he playing uh, Slim Slim's Reflecting Bingo, <laughs> uh, check your cards. Personal Reflection Bingo. 